Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Mi'kmaq people and the Halibut First Nation. I'm Glenn Wheeler. As we wait to hear from the feds about how they'll respond to the Wells decision on self-ID, we're headed into another important court case. Unlike Wells, the Abbott case tackles the very thing that has denied so many Mi'kmaq people status in the Halibut band, the point system. The Abbott case was front and center this past weekend at the annual general meeting of the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland, or MIFNAN for short, which is funding the case. As you'll hear from Chief Dave Wells, MIFNAN expects to be in court early in the new year on the Abbott case, helped along in costs by several anonymous donors and some free services by the law firm Gowlings. But there's one thing that may not be on the MIFNAN agenda in the coming year. That's joining the Congress of Aboriginal Peoples, now that Halibut has pulled out and gone to the AFN. Dave Wells has been enthusiastic about joining CAP, but it seems like people at the AGM were less so. Uh, it did come up at the annual general meeting. Our guest speaker, Hayward Young, uh, mentioned it, you know, that now that the Halapu has moved over to the Assembly of First Nations, it, uh, there's an opening for the Congress of Aboriginal Peoples. Uh, we t- the, the council itself, prior to the meeting, talked about it, and we're not sure if it's a good fit for us to be within the Congress uh, because we still want to be part of the Halapu band. So we're, we're just not sure, but uh, I'll be having some talks with, uh, <clears throat> with the chief of the uh, Congress of Aboriginal Peoples, uh, Robert Bertrand, uh, later on, probably next week. And I believe he's going to be coming down to Newfoundland later on. He, he would like to have you in uh, the Congress. Well, it's... If we decide to go that route, and uh, like I said, we're going to make sure it's a good fit for us, uh, one of the things that has to be passed by the council. So it's not just a one-man show. You know, it's a, have to be a majority or a unanimous decision. I'm not sure how it goes. Yeah. And um, what, uh, what would CAP, if Mifnan were to join CAP, what... Um, would be the benefit for MIFNAN in being being in CAP? Well, you know, there there is a larger voice, uh, and uh, you're at the national level. So, you know, I mean, we look at Todd Russell up in uh, Labrador, who's done very well by being a member of, uh, of the CAP up there. And, uh, you know what I mean, so he's getting support, plus... You, you know, if you're attending the general meetings and that, uh, you are there and uh, you have an opportunity to speak to the members of Parliament and also to Indigenous and Northern Affairs Canada executives regarding issues uh, facing you and your group that you're representing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a little bit of a win there, but uh, we're still looking at it right now from the fact uh is it is this the right time one is uh, should we wait i don't know 
but we need to have some conversations with the Congress to see what they can do for us, basically, and what can we do for them. You know, it's always a quid pro quo. And when uh, when people at the meeting were talking about whether there was uh, a good fit, uh, what what did they mean by that? Uh, that was something that I said, whether it's a good fit or not, and this is what the board said. So, you know, we're we're in exploratory talks, I guess you could say, with uh, with CAP. I mean, I suppose the other thing would it change the nature of MIFNAN from a a legal support organization into a freestanding non-status bans. Yeah, that's one of the things that we're really struggling with right now. And we've, you know, we've been able to put a quite a few dents into the supplemental agreement, making the government change certain aspects. But uh, as you know, there's another case moving forward regarding the point system. And that's going to... Uh, That'll be, again, against the supplemental agreement. So we have to decide, you know, uh, will this throw out the supplemental agreement? Will the supplemental agreement be changed so much that it has to go back and be ratified by the membership of the Holopu? You know, so there's still a pile of things up in the air. Um, so I understand there were about 60 people at your at your annual general meeting. Yes, that's about that's about right. And uh, were you pleased with the attendance, or would you have thought there would be more, considering that I suppose uh, the paid-up membership uh, in Mifflin is probably what in the thousands, I would think. We have about uh, 3,900 paid-up members for 2017-18. So you know. Uh, the number that we had is better than what it was uh, last year, and uh, so we're pleased with that. But there's still a lot of people out there that have either either given up or are sitting on the fence, not wanting to pay $20 to see if they can uh, be able to gain status without joining uh, MFNAN. Yes, and I understand uh, getting people to renew is uh, their $20 memberships is a bit of an uphill battle. Uh, yes, it always is a struggle, and uh, you know we've been very fortunate. We got some uh, big backers out there, and uh, Gallings gave us eighty thousand dollars for the in pro bono work or free legal work uh, for the Abbott case, which is starting to ramp up right now. Uh, but we're still on the hook for disbursements and and travel and all the other associated costs with that. Yeah. And the $80,000 is not going to cover it. The Wells's case, uh, that ended up costing us probably in the vicinity of 145000 And I understand on, on Wells, you still have about $15,000 owing to Gowlings on that one. Yeah, it's about, uh, I, yeah, it, it, it's kind of a floating number because we keep adding to the to the bill, you know. But uh, we're probably looking at yeah, in the vicinity of around twenty thousand. Now you yeah. mentioned these uh, these uh, backers. I understand there there have been uh, anonymous uh, donors to yes. man. Uh, more than more than one anonymous uh, donor. Yes. Uh -huh. Yes. And can you one us? one large backer and the other ones are. I don't want to say minor, but you know they're just giving in the the one, the two, the five thousand dollar range, this sort of thing. Right. How many uh, anonymous donors uh, are there for? Off the top of my head, I would have to say probably eight to ten. And uh, 
you mentioned the size of the uh, the other donations. The the larger one. What is the donation from that uh, person? That person was in the range of sixty to seventy five thousand, and that got us over the hump to get uh, to get the Wells's case heard, right? And to you know have a, I guess you could say a significant win against the supplemental agreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't exactly the win we wanted. We wanted the whole thing thrown out, but you take what you can get. Yes. Can you tell us anything more about that uh, donor? Is it a person from Newfoundland, a person who's uh, who was applied who who has applied and it's off, uh, yeah, off Mi'kmaq ancestry, and I don't even think the person has applied. They don't, they don't need anything. They're as, beyond wealthy. As you, as you might imagine, there's a certain amount of curiosity, I suppose, among some people, cynicism about people who just do a good thing, uh, like you know, give a lot of money for things uh, for something that will not benefit them. So, oh, there, this person is actively involved behind the scenes. I can assure you of that. Behind the scenes, uh, in what capacity? Uh, speaking to uh, cabinet ministers, this sort of thing, pulling in favors with senators. You know, I mean, this we're not sitting back just waiting for the court. Uh, we've had letters delivered to uh, Ray Bolt Wilson, the Minister of Justice, one to uh, Carolyn Bennett, and we've got another one being delivered tomorrow morning uh, to... Uh, Jane Philpot. And so we're hoping now uh, Raybold Wilson has turned us down for a meeting and we sort of expected that because she is the Minister of Justice and she's pushed it over on Carolyn Bennett and now we're going with Jane Philpot, the other member for Indigenous Relations or Minister I should say. And so we're hoping to get in there with a meeting with these folks. The, and we're having the letters not just mailed to them, we're having them hand-delivered by prominent uh, liberal workers. So I, can, uh, I guess I can conclude that the person, the anonymous donor, is a well-connected big L liberal with ties yes. to the party, who the party might feel they just can't uh, slam the door in their face because it's a person who's not only supportive of you, but supportive of the Liberal Party of Canada. Yes. Hmm, interesting. I, you know, I, I don't want to reveal the name because uh, it's never come up that the person wanted it revealed. But I'll, but I'll be asking uh, when I get to see them later on uh, this summer. And, and it's nice, you know, for someone to to step up to the plate, uh, and none of this benefits them directly. Uh, it will benefit uh, some of their relatives, this sort of thing. But. Uh, yeah, you know, it's just really great to see this type of support. And it's not just financial support, it's also the extra uh, things and, and connections that people can bring to the plate. Now, um, as you say, the uh, the highlight of the uh, the upcoming year is going to be Abbott. And uh, yes. so tell us uh, where, where you are with that. Jamie Lickers told us in a previous interview that she expects to be before the Federal Court of Canada in 2019. Yeah, we're looking at right around the March 2018 uh, to be in court uh, in front of the judge. March 2019, you mean? Oh, yeah, 2019. Sorry, Glenn. And, uh, you know, the other thing that we're right now, there's a meeting coming up between the Department of Justice, the case management judge, and uh, Jamie Lickers for the MFNAN. And during this meeting coming up towards the end of August, they are going to discuss how the Wells decision will affect uh, the Abbott case, and it's 
the actual case management judge wants all of this solved before we go into the court. In other words, they don't want to hear the the same arguments again, you know, for the same thing. It's been ruled on. That's the order, basically. Yeah. So then after that, probably in October, uh, they will do their cross-examinations and of uh, various witnesses. And then we'll proceed with the uh, writing up of the uh, of the documents for the court to hear. And we expect that to be done by late November, very early December. And uh, once again, uh, we were thinking the case will be heard in either Toronto or Ottawa. Yes. Or it could be some other location up there, too. It just depends on the availability of the court and also the judges. And yeah. um, as have you or Jamie Lickers uh, had any indication from the federal government about how they are implementing the Wells decision because, of course, they had to go back and review applications based on the self-identification issue. And um, I don't yeah. think there's been any clarity about what um, the timeline on is on that, uh, the mechanics. So uh, have have you or your counsel been advised of anything in that regard by the federal government? Uh, nothing official. However, uh, it was brought up by Jamie Lickers during the case management with the uh, judge you know, hey, look, we know we got this decision. Uh, we have gone past the deadline for the federal government to appeal. Therefore, it now becomes law, essentially. And uh, the court, the Minister of Indigenous and Northern Affairs is bound to implement those decisions. What we, from what our understanding right now is, is that the federal government is going to be coming out with letters telling the people they have the right to appeal and that they still must follow the same criteria as outlined in the 2013 supplemental agreement but they uh but they can now submit information up to the reconciliation order which was September 22nd 2011 versus anything 2008 or earlier uh -huh. with the agreement in principle yes so, you know, I mean, that was one. Plus, they have to come out and say, right, if you don't like if you submitted everything, if you don't like it, now you can come back and appeal. So during the uh, enrollment process that was held out in Winnipeg, uh, there were three people, according to what we were told, working on these files. A clerk putting everything into the, into the computer system, a reviewer, and the appeal master. So we now know why it took four or five years to get everybody uh, through the system. Right. Well, at that rate, uh, you know, they, they have tens of, tens of thousands of applications to go through, so it will take some time. Yeah. Well, this time, they have to go back and review everybody's file, you know. So what we think happened, and this is only speculation, is that the files that went out that were dated after September 22, 2011, the reckon reckon uh, the date of the order for the formation of the band, those files were not even looked at. Mm -hmm. They did not meet the self-identification criteria. So now they got to go back and review everybody that was denied. So if it took four years last time with three people, you can imagine how long it's going to take this time. So, you know, one of the things that the Holopu has to do, and we will also uh, ask the court, is to order the federal government 
put a timeline on this. They must have it done by such a date. So we'll get Jamie Lickers to go and ask the court to make an order to the federal government. Like, no more. We're sick and tired of dragging their heels on everything. And we, and we do hope that the Holopoo steps up and says the same thing to the federal government. And time is, uh, time is not your friend on this because, uh, of course, with the passage of time, people uh, become frustrated. They get yes. up. If they're, an if they're an applicant, they lose interest. They, they yep. move on. And um, uh, I wonder, uh, you know, about whether there's fatigue already setting in and uh, delay will only uh, make it more so. Well, there is fatigue, and uh, people say, like, you know, what can I give them? You know, uh, they changed the rules, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and, uh, you know, we have people out there now saying, well, I was on the founding members list, and now I'm losing my card. So, you know what I mean? There, there's a lot of frustration with this. And what I really like to see is for the federal government to say, wait, let's go back to the drawing table and we're going to do by this by ancestry. So you must be within the chain for Mi'kmaq, go back three, four, five, six generations, whatever, but pick a number and then everybody can understand why they're in or they're out. But I guess there's not much of that happening because the supplemental agreement itself has been upheld, uh, minus the sections regarding self-ID. So yeah. I suppose that uh, that train has left the station at this point. Well, we, the, the Abbott case is going to focus on the point system and also for those that are losing their cards. Yes. And we don't think, you know, given our Constitution, we don't the Canadian Constitution, that is, that that will stand up in court. Dave Wells, chief of the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland. Before we go, a reminder that the Mawiomi, hosted by the Burgio Band of Indians, takes place this coming Saturday, August the 18th. And that's it for the show. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Celebration time, used with the permission of Mi'kmaq artist Marcus Goss. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Listen to Mi'kmaq Matters on Bay of Islands Radio in Norris Point and Rocky Harbor. Tune in on The Voice of Bombay. And in St. John's, catch us on CHMR. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.